If you have a, your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Um, and I, as you turn in there, you know, I often, um, I often quote this scripture. And I, you've heard me, you've, you've heard me pray through the scripture. You've heard me reference it. I'm sure I've, I've preached through it. But, you know, I, I was just reading it recently. And, and if you remember um, a couple of Sundays ago when I preached, and if you were here on that Sunday a couple of Sundays ago, as I was in my prayer time that morning, I just felt like the Lord, you know, there were some people in here that were struggling with peace and not having peace or lack thereof. And, um, and so I don't know if you were there this morning, you remember that morning, you, you remember I prayed and just, you know, and just a couple of people told me, man, that was for me as since that just felt like, you know, people needed to just experience God's peace. Maybe it was weighed down with worry, weighed down with some anxiety, some fear, some uncertainty. Um, and, and then last week in, in, in my, in my daily reading time, um, I, I read this scripture again and it just, again, I've used it often and it popped out at me. So I want to just really go through it tonight and, and, um, I'm going to, I'm going to break it down. I really just feel like that we need to break it down because I feel like that's still a vein, especially in this day and age that we live in. So let's read Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything, anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, usually I stop right there and then I usually use this next verse when speaking about our thoughts and our mind. I usually don't combine them. But as I read it again, it just shot through me like, man, to come. To, it, it's a continuous thought, even though it's another paragraph in the Bible. Paul says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then look what it says in the very last thing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You see, in both of these, there's something that we need to do on our end and then we experience God's peace. Did you catch that? And so, again, I want to run these two together tonight and just break them down a little bit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your peace. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your presence, your wonderful power here tonight. Thank you for your provision. Father, we just ask that you would uh, speak to us tonight. Lord, I pray for clarity. I bind up any distractions or any hindrances that would try to hinder your word from going forth. I pray that, Lord God, you word, your word would accomplish exactly what has been set forth to accomplish, Lord God, and that uh, it would produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So give us the grace to hear it and to apply it. Uh, I pray for the anointing, the revelation and unction to present it tonight. Lord, I need your help. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. The Greek word for peace means this, harmony, tranquility, and it often has an emphasis on lack of strife or reconciliation. Listen to this, in a relationship as when one, come, one has peace with God. So harmony, tranquility, a lack of strife, or a reconciliation to a relationship. You see, peace comes from God, and it's evidence in the rule of Jesus, whose character, as we know it to be, his, one of the things that Isaiah prophesied that he would be is what? The Prince of Peace, right? 
that he is the Prince of Peace. So we see God manifest in human form in Jesus Christ and one of the character traits being the Prince of Peace. So tonight, I want to I give you, I call this message the pathway to peace. And I want to give you the five steps on the pathway to peace. I didn't try to get clever here. I didn't try to, I didn't come up with all kind of crafty points. Every one of these points are coming straight from these few verses. Amen. So number one, first step to the path of peace is don't worry about anything. Now I know just right there, you're probably like, that's way easier said than done. Is that right? Way easier said than done. Some of y'all worried about how to not worry when I just said that probably, right? Don't worry about anything. And it is a lot harder said than done. But, but again, that's why I felt like it's shared tonight. Again, some practical things of how do we do this. Verse 6 says that. Don't worry about anything, right? We don't need to worry about anything because our Heavenly Father loves and cares about us and about our every single need. I heard somebody say, you know, you hear that faith and fear is the opposite of faith. And, you know, worry, you can say, is a close cousin of fear, right? I heard somebody on the radio say the other day that, you know what, fear is having faith in the devil. It's like, whoa, I never heard it put that way before. If If faith, you know, is putting our trust and our faith in God, fear or worry is having faith in the devil. Take that like you want it, but I just thought that was an interesting take. But worry, anxiety, fear, they're all close cousins, right? Jesus said, you know what? Look at the birds of the air. My father takes care of all of them, right? They don't plant, they don't sow, but every single bird in the air knows where to go get food, right? As, as a waterfowler, I, it's amazing how these, these ducks and geese can be, you know, breeding up in Canada and, and spent the whole spring and summer all the way up north. But they know every year to migrate down and they know where all the rice fields are, right? They know where the corn is. All the wood ducks know where the acorns are in the woods, right? And they don't, I mean, you, you can have farmers shut down rice fields and you can have them pop up new ones. Those birds are going to find where the food's at, right? And, and so the, Jesus said, listen, and that's any bird. He was probably looking at sparrows or something. And, and he said, listen, the Lord takes care of all these birds all over there, these little bitty birds to the biggest birds in the air. And he said, aren't you way more valuable than any bird? Right? Do you believe that? You're way more valuable. You're worth more than any bird. The littlest sparrow or the, the biggest eagle or goose or whatever the, you know, the, the biggest bird is. He will take care of us. When we have that realization that we serve a heavenly father that loves us and, and, and wants to take care of us, that helps to not worry about anything. Listen, if, if the Lord can keep this world going, this earth spinning, oxygen at just the right level, right? The sun at just the right distance. Ain't that right? You know, if the sun was a little bit closer, we would all fry, right? If it was a little bit further, we would, we would freeze to death. Isn't that right? The Lord knew how to put the sun at just the right distance and just the amount of oxygen, right? Too much oxygen could even kill you, right? Too much of anything is not good. But if the Lord can keep all that going, he can take care of each and every part of our life. So we got to make a choice that we're not going to worry. Now that's easier said than done. I understand. But look at the effects of worry. First of all, Proverbs 25, I'm sorry, Proverbs 20, 25 says, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Proverbs makes it clear that when you worry, it will weigh you down. It weighs on you like a big old monkey on your back, right? And, 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 and there's some, not only is it, it weighs on you mentally, but, but and I'm going to share that in a minute. 
It, it is proven that worry will weigh you down physically, mentally, emotionally, and of course spiritually. When you're worried about something, it hinders your relationship with God. Have you ever tried to go into a time of prayer and you're constantly thinking and worrying about something? Let, let me take a quick survey. How was that prayer time for you? Probably not too good, right? You probably didn't tap into the presence of God like you would like to. Like Dave said, you've probably heard the saying, you know, if you worry, why pray? And if you pray, why worry, right? If you're truly praying about something, and we'll get to that in the next point, you know, why worry about it? But if you're going to worry about it, why pray? Because you're not, you know, again. And actually, the Bible talks about that worrying is a sin. It's actually a sin to worry because you're not putting your trust in the Lord. We're, listen, we are not, listen, God didn't design us and create us to carry the burden of worry, of fretting, and anxiety. The load is simply too much for the human body and literally the, the central nervous system to tolerate. In fact, it's proven, the, 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 the medical world has confirmed, listen to this, that the major source of sickness, all sickness in the Western hemisphere is traced back to stress and pressure. Anxiety, stress usually is brought on, not always, but by worry. And, and, and I know this, I read that somewhere a while back, but, but I know this to be true because late last year, I was actually talking to a, a, a gastro doctor, a technician that does, you know, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, colonoscopies. And as I was talking to him and, and, uh, and as I was talking to him about the person that was having the colonoscopy and, and, and whatnot and, and, and they really couldn't find anything, everything looked good in the colon, all of that kind of stuff, we started trying to figure out, <coughs> excuse me, what well, could be some other causes of the pain that this person was having. And this is what he told me. This is a local gastro doctor here in Lafayette. He said, you know, and I said, man, could it be from diet? Yeah. And then I asked the question, could it be from stress or anxiety? He said, absolutely. He said, matter of fact, most of the cases that we see of severe gastro and abdominal problems comes from anxiety. It, it's not from cancer. It's not from polyps. It's not from wrong diet. This is a local doctor in Lafayette. I was talking to him about it. He said most of the problems with the digestive system and the, the, all of that stuff comes from anxiety. The Bible knows what it's talking about. When he says worry weighs a person down, think about that, y'all. I mean, this guy might be out of business if we would put this first point into practice, right? If most people would not worry, because worry, of course, brings on anxiety, right? It brings on anxiety and stress and, and, and that kind of stuff. And that, that really blew my mind. It's like, wow, this is so true. We know that a lot of heart attacks are due to stress. Just recently, uh, there was a guy that I knew that, that died of a heart attack. And man, he was... I mean, ate clean, exercised all the time. And it's like, man, how does this guy, the epitome of shape and health, you know, how, die of a heart attack? Find out later he was under a lot of stress. He was under a lot of stress and worry. And he died of a heart attack. And that was probably part of it. You know, what about anxiety attacks? You know, sometimes people have anxiety attacks. And, and, and it comes. And the, the thing about worry is this. I learned this because I found out about I, I was close to someone that, that had frequent uh, anxiety attacks. And this is the crazy thing about this. And I'm not trying to give you like a science lesson. I'm not a doctor or anything, but just learning this stuff. You know, anxiety attacks, the crazy thing about that is that you can be worried and stressed out about something for a long period of time. And you feel the stress and stuff. And then you can be good for two weeks, two days, and not even be worrying. And an anxiety attack can happen two weeks down the road. And that's how that stuff worries. And you're just like, man, I was just, this happened. Somebody that I knew, we were, you know, they, they were sitting down 
and, and, and watching a comedy and all of a sudden started having chest pains and, and had an anxiety attack. And I'm like, I hadn't even been stressed and I was laughing about this show. And the doctor said, well, what happens with that is that it builds up and it's just like a full cup. Later on, it can tip over and, you, and, and there comes an anxiety attack. That all starts from worry. This is powerful stuff, y'all, right? That's why the Bible says don't worry about anything, right? And the truth is, man, sometimes I understand there's some real stuff. You lose your job. It's hard not to worry when you lose your job. I can't imagine as a dad married with four kids and I'm the sole provider in the house that if I lost my job, it, it would be very hard not to worry, right? But sometimes we worry about the silliest things. Am I right? Or is it just me? Y'all more holy than me. We worry about some silly stuff sometimes. We worry about stuff that don't even matter. But he does say don't worry about anything. I know that wasn't proper grammar. Wherever Nathan's at, he's probably eating me up right now. We worry about stuff that doesn't even matter, right? We are not fashioned to carry pressure, stresses, anxiety, and worries. And that is the reason the body breaks down. We break down mentally, emotionally, and undergoes these negative influences for too long. That's why the Bible tells us don't worry about anything. And then number two, next, he says, but pray about everything. Right? Again, if you worry, then, then why pray? But if you pray, then why worry? If you're truly praying about it and giving it to the Lord, don't pick it back up. Why worry about it? Look, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. <coughs> you know what that word everything means in the Greek? Everything. That's right. It means everything. Again, the Father invites us to pray about everything. He's, this is his word. He's saying that, you know, man, all through, you can see through the Gospels, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Pray, and pray, about, pray for all men, every, you know, everything. Just as we worry about big things and even little things, we should pray about the big things and even the little things, right? Whether big or small, we should pray about them all. Amen? Whether big or small, we should pray about them all. Of course, it's easier to pray about the bigger things, like if you're under financial pressure, if you got a negative report about your health, if you're, you know, if you just turn on the news or watch, if you follow, you know, that kind of stuff. I got an alert today on my phone that there was another terrorist att or an attack. I don't even know in 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 Britain uh, or London somewhere. I don't know if y'all seen it on the news. I just saw the the alert on my phone, and I don't even have alerts on my phone. I don't know how it did that, and because I don't like seeing that kind of stuff. I don't like going through the day and it pops up, but I didn't see the details. But like what five killed, twenty injured, or something by Parliament in London, and another attack. All these terrorist attacks, all this stuff going on. You watch this stuff about the economy. You watch the stuff about, you know, man, it, it's just, it, it's easy, but you know, to, to start worrying, but the Bible says to pray about all of that. You know, you can turn every worry or every frustration about a person into a prayer request. You can, you can either worry like, man, are those attacks going to come here? Or you can pray about that. Lord, I pray these people that are, that are, that are trying to kill people, I pray you would save them, Lord. I pray that you would lift the blinders off there. I pray that you, you begin to pray. Then you pray a wall of protection around, around you, around your children, around your house, around this community, this city. That, right? You can turn it into a prayer request. Pray about everything. So the big things like the economy and politics and, 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 and terrorist attacks and your health and, and, and souls being saved. Of course, man, we want to pray that our loved ones get saved and all these big things. But you know what? From the biggest to the little things, the Bible says to pray about them all. And I got Nathan's permission to use the example. Just yesterday, we were meeting yesterday back here, 
And, and as we start off the meeting, I asked everyone, I said, hey, do, do, do you have a prayer, you prayer request? We can start off in prayer. And Nathan said, you know, I got a prayer request, but it, it's, it might sound kind of weird. I was like, and I actually joked with him. I said, well, you're kind of a weird dude anyway, so it'd be par for the course. I actually told him that I was joking with him, you know. And so he, of course, you know, he picked back and he said, no, but seriously, man, he said, he said, I got home the other day and my dog was not like acting right. He was like just walking funny and all this, that, and the other. And, and, and I don't know, I think he wasn't eating and stuff like this. And he said, man, I, you know, I, I took him to the vet or, or something, or he called the vet and he said, well, and he said, it could be this was something bad. He's like, man, would y'all mind praying for my dog? And I said, not at all. And I said, I don't think that was weird. I had a little dog when I got saved. And so after I got saved, I mean, he had some kind of little soreness. Like that. I, I, I assured Nathan, I don't think it's weird at all. I used to lay hands on my dog and pray for him. When he get those sores, they'd be healed, right? So we, during, we took a couple other prayer requests. And during our, our prayer time, we, we lifted up his little dog. We prayed for him. And it was cool. Later in the day, he would say, man, I got home today. And my dog was walking around. And he texted everybody in that meeting and said, man, he, he's doing better. He's eating. He's like 80% back to normal. Praise the Lord. When the Bible says pray about everything, you, we can pray for little Diesel too. That's his dog's name, Diesel. And so, and he's like a little dog, so it's funny, you know. It's, it's, but Diesel got, you know, there's power in the name. I went to Nathan's house one time and I was going to the bathroom. And if that, there wasn't a cage there, he would have like took my calf off. Diesel wasn't playing. He was like, he was <laughs> a man that's one of them. Absolutely. You've had the same experience with Diesel, Kenetra? Okay, so yeah. So anyway, but praise the Lord. I prayed for Diesel with a right heart. I had no unforgiveness or bitterness towards Diesel. I was able to pray for his healing and the Lord answered his, uh, our prayers. Amen. So listen, we can pray about everything, right? Everything from the biggest things down to the, what you even consider the smallest things, you know? Amen? And how should we pray? Well, the third part of that verse tells us. Verse 6 says, tell God what you need. When you're praying about stuff, don't just be sp- just so general in, in your prayer. If, if you're struggling in your marriage, Lord, bless my marriage. Okay, that's good. That's a good start. But man, tell God exactly what it is that you need. Lord, I pray that you help us in our marriage. Help me to, as a husband, to, to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Lord, I, she, she's saying she's not feeling love. Lord, help me. Lord, help our communication, Lord. For some of you, it might just be, Lord, help me not kill my husband, you know, or my wife. Right? You know, right? That's what Ruth Graham said. She's like, I never thought about divorce once. She said, murder, yes. Divorce, no. Billy Graham's wife said that, you know. That might be your prayer, right? But be specific in whatever. It might be your marriage. It might be, man, you know, be specific in, in what you ask. Tell him, this is, the, this is not my suggestion. This is what the Bible's commanding us to do, right? Every one of these points are coming straight out of his verse. Tell God exactly what it is that you need. Why do we need to be specific? Because this shows that we're putting our faith in him. When we're specific, we're saying, Lord, I'm putting my faith in you that you're going to do exactly this thing. Like this thing that I need to be done, this restoration, this healing in my marriage, this communication in my marriage, this breakthrough. Lord, we need this much money on this date. Lord, we need your help. Amen. We need you to come through. The bill collectors are specific on when you got to pay them, right? We need to be specific to the Lord. Listen, in Matthew, Mark. And Luke, there are accounts of Jesus healing men after he asked him this question, what do you want me to do for you? And it was obvious, but he asked these men. Three different accounts, two of them are the same, one was multiple guys. And their reply was, we want to see. Lord, I want to see. 
He knew they were blind. It was obvious, right? It's not that Jesus didn't know, but he wanted them to specifically ask what is needed. God knows all of our needs way before we ever ask him, right? But being specific about it shows him we're putting our faith and our trust in him. And in Luke and Mark, Jesus answered both of them, your faith has healed you. See that? They were specific in their requests, in their need, in their prayer. And the Lord said, your faith has healed you. Listen, the Lord rewarded these men for their faith. And he'll do the same thing for us. The Lord rewards us for our faith. I said this a while back, and I said it again this morning about trusting in the Lord and, and, and preaching in chapel to the students in school this morning. And listen, true faith, and I said this a while back uh, recently, I remember, true faith in the Lord, and when we're talking about being specific, true faith is not having a backup plan. That's what true faith is. Sometimes we pray to the Lord, like, Lord, would you come through for me on this? And like, you know, if it's a financial need, I pray, Lord, you come through. But in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, but if, if the Lord don't come through, I'm going to borrow that money from my sister. She's going to let me borrow that money. I'm going to ask, the, I'm gonna ask the, the boss for, a, you know, a, a, an advance of my check or get my check early, right? No, true faith is, Lord, these blind men was like, I want to see. That their faith was in, there was no backup plan at all. The woman with the issue of blood, right, spent all her money, spent it all on doctors. The Bible says, and it only got worse. When she reached out to the him as garment, there was no backup plan. This is all. She went for broke because she was broke at that point. She was broke financially, probably emotionally, spiritually, mentally. 12 years, the Bible said. Everything she had, not only, I think that bank account, as I'm saying it, was just symbolic of she gave her all to try to get better, and she had no more backup plan. And when she reached for the end of that garment, boom, instantly she was healed. And it was her faith. She had faith in the Lord alone, and she was, in that moment, she, she needed to be healed, and she reached out to the Lord. So again, we see these people being rewarded for their faith, and I believe the Lord wants to reward us for our faith as well. Amen? And then number four, thank him for what he has done. Thank him for all that he's done already. Now, I love this. And you've heard me say this, Philippians 4, 6. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You know, one of the, one of the ways, you know, you can, you can, and I'm kind of jumping ahead for my next point, but I'm going to just say it now. One of the ways to, to, to combat worry is sit down and make a detailed list of everything God's done for you. Right? Because when you do this, when you thank God for what he's done, and I know a lot of y'all have heard me say this before, what it does, speaking of faith, it stirs up your faith. See, being specific in your prayer shows God you have faith, but whenever you thank him for what he's done, it stirs up the faith you already have. See, sometimes, see, worry will drown out the faith we have. It's still in there. We got a little, a little puddle of faith. But when you begin to, like, Lord, I thank you. Last year I was in this situation or something similar, and Lord, I prayed, and you broke through here. But that little, it gets bigger. And I remember five years ago, I prayed about something. And Lord, you came through in a great way that time. Man, that faith grows a little bit more, right? It's like a balloon. That thing starts swelling, right? When you begin to thank God for all he's done in the past, past man, you get faith that what you're praying for specifically, he's going to do again. Before you know it, it's like, man, God, I know you're going to come through. I don't know how, when, or how it's going to look. But the Bible tells us to thank him for what he's done even beforehand. I'll give you an example of recently in my own life. You know, I mentioned it, I think, last week or maybe Sunday. We, we, you know, we went up on a, uh, on a trip and drove all the way up to Wisconsin, you know, in the winter. 
And, and I started thinking, okay, you know, we've, we've gone up, you know, on, on these ski trips twice before. And the first time we drove to North Carolina. And then last year we flew into Wisconsin. But we've never drone so far, 1,100 plus miles to get up to Wisconsin, uh, you know. And it had been warm, seasonally warm. God answered our prayers. We were specific. We wanted snow because it was like we, we can stay here for 60-degree weather, right? We went up north to try to get some snow, and God answered our prayers. But I, I was thinking as we started planning the trip, I was thinking, man, I've never driven that far before especially in the snow, then I was thinking, man, what if it starts snowing hard? What if we have one of these crazy winter storms? What if we have like a blizzard? Like, I don't know how to drive in that stuff, right? I mean, we get a little bit of sleep down here and they shut down the schools, right? We don't, we don't really know how to drive, you know what I mean? Icy roads, black ice, all this kind of crazy stuff. And I begin to start, I'll be honest, I begin to start worrying about it. I'm, I'm having my vehicle, a vehicle full of my family, those I love, my wife and my kids. I'm like, but then the Lord reminded me, I was reminded, I drove all the way up to North Carolina. It snowed up there all week. I drove through that stuff. And a little bitty four-door Honda Civic, you know. I didn't have no big old truck with four by four. I was in a little four-cylinder Civic driving through the snow, right? And I was like, man, and then when we went, even though we flew into Wisconsin five years ago, we had some friends that lived in Minnesota. A friend of mine, he was a youth pastor at his dad's church. And so over the weekend, we had drove from uh, Wisconsin to Minnesota, which was about three and a half hours where they were living. And again, it was in the wintertime, and it could have easily snowed and all that. But you know what? It didn't. And even the little bit of snow we did, it, the Lord protected us. So when I stopped and said, you know what, Lord, I thank you. You didn't, you didn't allow us to get caught in a storm. And even if there is some kind of snow or anything, just as last time, you're going to help me through that. And in that moment, guess what? I got peace. It's amazing how when you do what the Bible says to do, it works. Amen. Isn't that amazing? It works. I begin to say, you know, I know the Lord's going to protect us. And praise God, it, 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 it didn't snow till like two days after we got up there. We got there on a Monday night. It, the heavens opened Wednesday. It snowed. You probably saw some pictures, videos online. Heavens opened. It snowed all day Wednesday. And a couple of days later, it was a little bit icy. When I was leaving the parking lot where we was at, we kind of slid a little bit and stuff. And I was like, uh-oh, can feel that little worry wart trying to come up in me, you know? But after we got out of the parking lot, you know, they up north, they clear the roads and put salt and do all that. And it was absolutely fine. But my point again is, when I thought about what God had done already and how he helped me and protected us before, it, it stopped the worry, it, it rose faith, and I began to experience peace in my life. Amen? See, the life of trusting the Lord brings peace. It says in verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I love that. Or some translators say, he, his, his peace that surpasses all understanding, or our, our peace that uh, surpasses all comprehension. You know, it's amazing. Have you ever talked to somebody that's going through the fire? Maybe just lost a loved one. Maybe even just lost a child. I've, I've seen and talked to people and they've said, man, how you doing? You know, this and that. And, and they're like, man, it's hard. It's that. But they say, I truly have a peace. You maybe have been there, right? And it's like, how can you even say you have peace? Some people, you know, even get skeptical. Like, yeah, they're saying that. But man, they, they probably. But that's what the scripture says. When we do these things, you can go through the worst trauma, the most traumatic experience, the most unforeseen, the, the most horrible thing, and still have peace. Is that what your Bible says? 
It says his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I love that. You see, it's like a cycle. If we don't worry, if we pray about everything, tell God we need, thank him what he's he's done. Then it says the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. So when you begin to have peace, now not only does peace come, but it becomes a guard around your mind to keep worry away. Isn't that good? It's it's a guard. It guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. When you begin to experience that peace, because what happens is when you begin to start worrying a little bit and you feel that that peace lifting, you're like, oh, no, no, Lord, I rest in your peace. I don't want, I'd rather peace over worry. How many of y'all experience both and say, I'll I'll take a serving of peace and uh, and leftovers and seconds over worry any day, right? Worry's not fun. Anxiety's not fun. Have, Have you noticed that? It's not fun to be stressed out and worried and fearful. And have anxiety, right? But man, being in the peace of God, right? Being in the peace of God. Look, I'm, it's amazing how I'm about to get up here and, and speak on peace. I walk in here, we worship and feel the presence of the Lord. And the lights decide to go crazy. Something else happened. I'm just like, why is all this? And I could just feel it like, and I, it hit me like, I'm about to preach on peace and I'm losing my peace right here on the front row. It's amazing how the Lord does that. They say practice what you preach. Sometimes you got to do that before you even start preaching. Even just knowing what you're about to preach. You know, it's like, okay, it's okay. We still have lights. Pastor Rob didn't turn the lights off. He didn't unplug them. He didn't try to sabotage me. I know he didn't. He loves me. Right, Pastor Rob? Right? You know, just like, it's not a big deal, Brandon. Come on. It's just lights. Right? Are y'all tracking with me? I'm just giving you some insight of my life. Do y'all like lose your peace over stuff like that too sometimes? Right? Okay. The internet will really challenge your peace nowadays, right? You notice that? Like, and I'm talking about the speed of the internet. Just simple, let me just confess to you. We lived years without even having the internet. Now you get on somebody's Wi-Fi and it's slow and you're like, man, why is this internet so slow? Am I the only one that trips about stuff like that? And you'll lose, your peace starts lifting because of slow internet. I didn't even have internet until I was in my early 20s. Like, what did I do before? Like, it was, you know, like little simple things like that, you know? Anyway, that was just a little confession slash rant. Like, I'm, I'm mad at myself for that. Like, this is stupid. You know, like, you're mad because the internet's slow. Or this app's not opening or crashing. Am, am I right? Right, Jason? You with me, brother? You know, it's just like, we lose our peace over the silliest things. Don't worry about anything. And the Lord's probably like, especially that. Especially the internet and your app. Stop worrying about that, okay? Pray about everything. Maybe pray that your app would stop crashing, okay? Anyway, okay, that's just a little rant. I mean, okay. See, this is where I usually stop, and I have one more point, and we're going to close it up. Usually when I talk about it, it's these four things, but really, when you go on, number five is, listen, you got to rewire your thinking. When you start worrying, if you don't have the peace of God in your life, you got to rewire your thinking. Verse 8 and 9, and I usually use this separate. I talk about this at funerals a lot and stuff when people are going through hard times. Verse 8 says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. See, he ties all this stuff in together. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then what does it say? Then the God of what? Peace. He's still in that vein. Will be with you. So what is he saying? Hey, focus on God's good gifts so that even during the uncertainty, hard times, and suffering, our hearts and minds and the God of peace will still be filled with, with, with peace, right? I mean, our hearts, our minds, our lives will be filled with peace if we rewire our thinking, if we fix our thoughts 
on all of these things, right? Listen, it was cool. I, I, uh, this part of it was cool. It was, it was sad. Speaking of tragedy, tragically, a few years ago, one of my friends I grew up with was in my wedding. Uh, he lost his son. His son tragically died. And, and they asked me to do, uh, to do the eulogy. Um, and it was at a, it was at another church that, you know, that, uh, they attended, was a part of and whatnot. And so, uh, very traditional church. And so, um, they asked me to do the eulogy in the church during this very traditional service. And the, 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 the pastor, really, really awesome, nice guy, nice, you know, Cajun man. But I was a little intimidated, you know, just being and knowing, cause he was like, hey, even when we walked into the church after the, he's like, listen, man, just keep it sharp because they were already having a hard time. So this was part of, 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 my eulogy and just talked about focusing on the good things. And I mean, I could, this was so hard for me. I never had been a part of a, such a, a tragic, you know, death like this of a, a child. And plus it was a, a dear friend of mine. So this, this scripture was part of what I shared. So after the service was all said and done, this, this man that's been in ministry a long time, older pastor comes up to me and he says, you know, Philippians four, nine. And I was like, Oh, here we go. Like I, it, I automatically was like, I'm about to get rebuked or corrected or something right here. Like, you know, he, and he said, you know, Philippians four, uh, uh, chapter uh, four, nine, he said, if more people would do this, he said, they would get rid of most of the tracas in their life. And that's what he told me. He said, thank you for sharing that. And he gave me a big old hug. And I was like, oh man, praise the Lord. But I mean, look, this guy I know has studied, he's been in ministry, knows doctrine, and that was, I love it, Cajun man, sweet, sweet guy. He said, if, if people would just do this, they would get rid of most of the tracas in their life. And if, if you're not familiar with, you know, French, or it basically just means messes, you know, mess ups, worry, in this instance, all the stuff, the, the junk we go through, right? Is that a pretty good translation of traca, right? And so what he's saying is if we would just, you know, he, he encouraged me. And I was encouraging to me because, I, you know, this was such a hard time. Like, man, even in the worst tragedy, if you focus on, on good things, on the right things, you know, remember the first thing is don't worry about anything. If you have to, you have to replace worrisome thoughts with thoughts that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable, right? That's how you combat. Again, that's how you combat worry. It's kind of mentioned it early. You can't just sit there and say, don't worry, don't worry. I can't worry. Stop worrying. Don't worry. Don't worry. Stop worrying about that, you know? People will think you're crazy, first of all, if you do that, because you're talking to yourself. And then, But you got to replace them. Okay, what is the truth here? God loves me. God's for me. God will provide for me. All these things that we worry about, most of the things we worry about never happen. You notice that too? Most of the stuff we worry about, we have these like crazy drawn out thoughts about, I don't know, something bad happening. Usually they, they don't even happen. They never happen, right? But think about the truth, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure. All, again, the great, awesome gifts that God's blessed us with and, and who God is towards us. Romans 12, 2 in the NIV says this. Do not conform any longer. I love this part. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the world's pattern is to worry about everything. Isn't that right? The world's pattern is to worry about everything. Don't conform to this pattern any longer, y'all. Don't conform to the pattern of that I'm going to, that, that man, it's just, I'm just so worried, man. Oh, man, I'm just, that, you know what worries me? You know what I, that worry, you know what stress, man, man, don't, this is the pattern of the world that they are worried about everything. You know what? We serve the Prince of Peace. We're in relationship, communion, fellowship with the Prince of Peace. 
of, of the, he, he has an, an um, unlimited supply of peace. He says, my peace I give you, my peace I live with you, right? I leave, when he left the earth, he said, look, I'm giving you my peace. The world, he said, can't experience this. That's why they worry so much because they don't, they're not connected to the Prince of Peace, but we are. So, hey, don't worry about anything, big and small. Pray about them all. Number two, pray about everything. Tell God specifically what you need. And I think even in doing that, when you begin to tell God specifically, I believe even that, you're going to begin to feel a release and a weight lifted off of you. Thank him for what he's done, man. It stirs up faith, and you just remember, like, man, God's been so good to us all this time. He's brought us through all these hard times, all these, all this stuff. He's brought us through. He's going to do it again. And then rewire your thinking. Focus on things that are good. When you start feeling those worrisome thoughts coming on, man, try replace them with something that is good. That is true. Because a lot of times, again, a, a worrisome thought comes from a lie from the enemy. So remember it says, think about things that are true. Replace the lie of the enemy with the truth from the word of God. And that will cancel out worry in itself, right? So in closing, Romans 5, 1 says this. Therefore, since we have been made right with God, made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, remember we talked about faith tonight, we have peace with God because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. You know, I've heard, and you've probably heard people say to people that are, you know, maybe close to death, even on their deathbed, say, man, I'm good, I have peace. Have you ever heard anybody say, I've made my peace with God? Like right before they die. And you can tell they're, they're not, it's not a cliche. Like these people are about to cross over into eternity and they're in total peace. They say, man, I've, I've made my peace with God. Well, according to this scripture, you can't make peace with God until you're right with God. And the Bible says that we made right with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. The only way to be made right with God is to accept what Jesus has done, which is going to the cross. Is where we started tonight in communion is that Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. He took our sins. He's forgiven us of our sins. And that's how we are made right with God. That's how we can have peace with God. And it's amazing that when you start, if you haven't, if you say tonight, Brandon, I'm not sure I'm right with God. If I was on my deathbed tonight, if I knew tonight was my last night here on this earth, have I made my peace with God? Am I right with God? Do you know, are you going to spend eternity, where you'll spend eternity? The Bible makes it clear we are going to spend eternity somewhere. When we die, we don't just go into the ground and become worm food. We're going to spend eternity, either in heaven or hell, the Bible talks about. But you can be made right with God if you accept the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ and that he died for us to forgive us. He took our sin debt that we may have a relationship with him. And when we make peace with God, then we experience peace from God. Why don't you go ahead and bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. If you would say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I've made peace with God. If, if you leave tonight, man, God forbid, but you get in a car accident and you don't even make it home tonight, have you made peace with God? Are you assured that if you breathe your last here, that you're going to open your eyes in heaven and you're going to meet your maker? Or will you be in a place of torment, separated from God for all eternity. If you say, Brandon, if you were like me and you say, you might say no, or you might say, I'm not sure, because for years I said I wasn't sure. Tonight, you have the opportunity to get right with God 
and, and make your peace with God that you can be assured that you're going to spend eternity with him. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He's made a way by dying on that cross. You say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with God. I need to be forgiven. I want to make sure that I'm, I, I'll spend eternity with the Lord. I, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. If that's you, just slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. You see, said, man, I'm not sure. Even if you're not 100% sure, I see your hand over here. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hands. I see a few hands going up. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Come on, eternities are being changed right now. Souls are being saved. I see your hands, young people. Praise the Lord. Come on, anybody else? If you say, you know, man, Brandon, I was, I was once right with God, but I've, I've kind of slipped away. I've slid away. And you know what? I don't have the peace like I used to because I don't, I, I've been walking and living in sin. I need to get back right with God. I need to recommit. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. Say, man, I need to surrender afresh to the Lord tonight. See your hand in the back. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Come on. I see your hand right here in the, in the middle. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Praise God. Come on. The peace of God is coming upon people even now. Come on. We're going to pray for all these that raise their hand. Whether it's your first time doing this, I see your hand in the back, sir. Anybody else? We're going to pray this prayer together. The Bible says, now knowing the gospel, that's the good news, that we've sinned. Jesus died for us, forgave us of our sins. If we ask for forgiveness, and will save us. So all of you that believe that, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer of confession. And your faith, as we just read in Romans 5, the Bible says, makes you right with God, not only here on earth, but for eternity. So come on, as a family, we're going to all pray this together. Lord Jesus. Lord, I know that I've sinned, but I thank you for making a way to cancel my sin, to forgive my sin. Thank you for dying on that cross. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a fresh start. Now, Lord Jesus, I pray for your peace. I pray for your assurance that, Lord, I will spend eternity with you. Now, from this day forward, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life and to make you known to others. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Yes, come on. We rejoice with y'all, all of y'all that raised your hands. We rejoice. It's a day of celebration. Hey, I want you to do us a favor. We want to know who you are. There's a card in the pew right in front of you. It's got a green strip on it. It says, I've made a decision. Do me a favor. Whether this was your first time or are you recommitting, resurrendering, before you leave, please fill out that card that says, I made a decision. And then fill out all the information. Go to the info center in the lobby. Ms. Clovia's back there. She, she has a Bible for you. We get you started. You can come up here, bring it to us. We want to pray with you. Also, listen, if you've been struggling... You've been struggling and, and not experienced God's peace and you have some worry that's weighing you down. We want to open the altars as we dismiss. And we want to let, let us pray with you, amen? Let us stand with you and just come in agreement to break that worry off of your life and just begin to receive the peace of God. Come on, let me pray over you as we leave. Father, I pray even now that, Lord, your peace would begin to flood and fill and guard the hearts and the minds, the spirits and the lives of each and every one of your people here tonight. May your peace flood them and follow them everywhere they go. Watch over them, protect them and bless them as they go tonight and the days ahead. We love you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful evening.